9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Welcome back to a brand new shiny episode of 9ES. On this week's episode, uh, we talk a little bit about the old guard. We're going to get back to it when Scott is on the show. Spoilers, Scott is not on this episode. Uh, We talk about financial advice with John and Keith uh, and what you might want to do when you take time off like uh, John currently has. Uh, We talk about the Binding of Isaac card game. We talk about board games uh, in general uh, quite a bit. Uh, We talk about uh, some weird news about Megan the Stallion and Cardi B that happened a couple weeks ago and their new music video that just came out. Uh, We talk about uh, The Omen and Ninth Gate and just sort of those spooky movies in general. Uh, Just a note, we are not sure if there's going to be a garbage time episode uh this week or not we're still trying to work it out we have a couple of technical difficulties so if there's no garbage time uh, for our patreon uh subscribers i we really do apologize uh if there is uh if you subscribe at the three dollar level or above you will get to listen to garbage time uh in the meantime though this is the regular episode of 9es enjoy the show Yes. Stuff. I did not look at any of things on the list. <laughs> and Scott has a migraine. And so Scott has a migraine. Just Keith and John chatting it out. Yeah, I, I dude, I have, I have so many things. <laughs> yep. Well, maybe I guess like it's okay. We can we can do this without Scott. I like I, one of the things I was talking about uh, with Sarah though that when Scott has the migraine is that we both went and watched the old guard. Uh-huh. <laughs> because Scott told us to, and now he's not here. Do we put it on the list and, like, put it super low just to troll him? I mean... Did you like it? We don't have to do a full <laughs> review. But yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think I think it would be wrong of us to to do it without, without Scott. But I... I thought you were going like... to say it would be wrong of us not to because it's topical and we both watched it. Uh, I guess, uh-huh. but I mean, but it's already, like, a month after the release. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's... It's fine, and it's. I think it's still the only like kind of like blockbuster movie that's on Netflix right now. I did not hate it. I. I it's a lot like that. Whatever that cyberpunk movie that he told us to watch, mm-hmm. like where where I don't know if maybe it's because Scott's getting old or whatever. Yeah. But but like he's just recommending movies that are just like fine. Yeah, <laughs> like that was really my my vibe for the whole thing was that it was just fine. Yeah. Like, I- there was a couple of points at the start where I, I was like thinking too hard about it. And I, I felt like it was, it was dumb and getting away from me. And then I really stopped thinking too hard and, I, and it was all right. You know, people ran around and shot each other a bunch. Yeah. I, I liked the, um, like the aesthetic of like nineties action film. Like yeah. it was very, it pl- and it played very much into that. Like we uh, just even with the camera work and stuff like that, like a lot of like close tight shots and you're like, what location are they on? You're like, I, <laughs> soundstage like, at netflix studios yeah exactly that's it you're just sort of like a, a claustrophobic one lots of stuff on sets and in tunnels with close angles that don't really like even like like the church never had that big wide like church shot that yeah, you would normally yeah, see yeah. like when it's you funny, film an like, action scene in a church you can kind of feel that happening on fantasia movies sometimes when you know they don't have the budget for a big production but it's it felt a little out of place here yeah exactly because you're sitting there watching like Charlize Theron running around doing her, her run and gun thing but i mean yeah. but at the same time but it also might have been a a trial run to be like hey can we make a like i can't imagine the budget on that thing was like more than like 
but I mean, I could look it up right now, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. like, I can't. A low budget film, I think, by yeah, budget of seventy million dollars, like which by like for, action for a action film, that's nothing. Yeah, it's like it's a fraction of fraction of a Marvel movie or whatever else like that. There was very mm-hmm. few special effects, just like gun muzzle flare and squibs going off. Yeah, if and, they were squibs, oh, some of them I think could have been CG. Possibly, I wonder. Yeah, so yeah, I watched the old guard because Scott told us to, but then yeah. uh, they're not there. Yeah. Um, what's what's going on with you, John? Or do you, do you want to talk about your 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 freedom on the My show freedom. a little bit? Yeah, we could do a little bit. So I've been uh, employed at a large telecommunications company for 12 years, and um, now I'm on a three-month leave of absence. You know, you work at a place for long enough, and you feel crazy, and um, maybe it's good to take some time to reflect and and back off, you know? Doing your Bill Watterson impersonation. Is that what he did before he quit? He took 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 like two pretty long hiatuses towards the end. Like, I think in like years like seven and nine or something like it was like he took two hiatuses in like two years take a time off from the strip because he was like i don't want it to feel like a grind and it feels like a grind and i mean you don't even have a beloved comic book strip you just i am i'm really not so bill watterson you know there's like (laughs) we should really (laughs) exactly so you can imagine that if a person who's getting it's like paid and and succeeding at producing something that he loves excuse me excuse me Paid and succeeding. Do you know what happened with Calvin and Hobbes? Motherfucking Steven Spielberg called him. Like, hi. Last this episode. Eve. I know, I know. It's just, it's incredible. He got to, he got to walk away from Steven Spielberg. But, but you know away. what I, but I'm, yeah, exactly. But I'm, what I'm saying, though, is that, like, you're, you're making your living doing what you love to the point where you can say no thank you, Mr. Spielberg, and mm-hmm. still kind of, like, obtaining a burnout level where you're like, I need a break from this. Yeah. You know, I think that that like, it bodes ill for the mental uh, stability of us folk woefully working nine to five, (laughs) like jobs that are not like the fulfillment of our creative capacity. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the dilemma, you know, there's, there's a, there's like, do I want to be fulfilled creatively? I sure do. Am I having that now? I am definitely not. But like, if I, if I was serious, and and like didn't screw around in 13 years could i retire extremely comfortably yes i could and mm-hmm. and that would be at 55 which is not so bad even younger than that it would be it might even be 53 or something like that but yeah. um that's not a bad age you know but then can i suffer no. another 13 years yeah i think i mean i think that's the that is the great conundrum of, yep. the, of the nine to five job, right? Is to like succeed to a point where you can retire comfortably and like, and not, and then just like gain like a good, like 30 years of your life where you kind of are in want for nothing and have no other obligations other than to yourself yeah. or to potentially, I guess, like slave away and hope that you hit the lottery of the right factor of like super talent and right place at the right time and so on and so forth. Like all the, yeah. all the millions of things that need to come together for you to. And, and I, I mean, I like, gotta I don't say, know. having looked at all of our buddies who made that decision, I'm, I'm not so sure that that was the right call. What, what's st- going into the staying in the arts, staying in the arts at 20. Yeah, no, it's tough. Uh, I, I, and I, I mean, I've, I've had this conversation with a bunch of people. I think we've yeah. almost definitely talked about it on a podcast. This website is called nine to five CC for a reason. It's like it's the, the foundation point. of it is a, a nine to five, a website that 
lets me do things that fulfill me in ways that my nine to five job does not. Right. But like, if you're going to work and you like, like the people you work with and you don't hate your job, I think you're like ahead of the game. Yeah. And you're also, I, I, I mean, I know you are, and I know I am like, if you're making relative, like you don't even have to be making fuck you money. You can be making okay money, you know? And as long as you're smart with it, you can go very, very far. Yeah, like being being a certain degree of financial responsibility. I mean, like yeah. you just talked about like retiring at like fifty five, but like a lot of jobs will let you still retire at say like sixty five mm-hmm. or whatever, which is old. I'm not and not ex- like I'm like oh that's a thirty years away for me. Well, <laughs> you know, let you retire. I mean, the, there's no the company won't give you a pension anymore. Like that age is dead. So it's more a question yeah. of like how much can you stash away yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's it. But like, yeah, like you can right. financial advice from the nineties. But yeah, I, I was <laughs> weirdly, I was having this conversation with one of our friend's kids who mm-hmm. is uh, coming into his late teens, heading into his early twenties. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to try to make it sound easy because it's not easy. <laughs> but I'm like in big corporations, like you just need to be like competent and maybe like competent plus. Oh, to do I don't even right. think you need to be that. I think you need to show up on time and remember to wear clothes. And oh no, but that, that's, you can that's do those to, two to things the, for like three years. You're going to make fifty grand. Yeah, exactly. But that's it. But I'm but I'm saying, but like competent plus. Yeah. By the time you're thirty, you could be getting close to six figures. You know, yes, like absolutely. Like like that. That's what I'm saying. It's like like landing. I mean, I think like call center jobs now, like frontline call center jobs pay more than 45 K a year. Like, like, and and that's, that's the calling to answer about the phone bill job. (laughs) Like where you're like, no, no technical training, no requirement. Like if you're a people person, you could be making that much money, but then you can get into that kind this is the John and Keith, uh, how to, how how to get jobs. Like I said, like we both came in as frontline agents and then people were just sort of like, Oh, like you're, you're smart and good. You show (laughs) up on time and you wear pants every day. That was that was yeah, but, all it took. I like I I did to have get your foot in the door, but then the you're like, yeah, yeah. But then to get I, your foot in the door, and as soon as you're like, oh, I give half of a damn about this job, and you're suddenly a top performer on the calls and getting special projects, and yeah. just yeah, that's what I'm saying. Com- competent plus is yeah. you can do okay for yourself. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So and then I guess apparently if you also drag uh yourself to work every day for 12 years you can go on little hiatuses every now and then i was honestly amazed at how easy this was i gotta say it works out as a big bonus points for my employer with the possible exception of if this is a skeezy trick to fire me after i leave of absence you know that's (laughs) that's still always possible but i do feel like i had two or three really really big successful projects that wrapped up right 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 Mm -hmm. before i left and um i feel like they were successful enough to to give me a good a good chance at keeping employment after but honestly yeah. like with covid going on um our our big bosses were like you got to you got to tell us what we can do to keep you healthy and happy and we really want to help it was a, it was honestly heartwarming coming from a vp at a big telecommunications company which i never would have believed that i would actually say but after they said that when i was like look i need 3 months off to take care of myself they were actually you know they i think they realized they would be pretty hypocritical if they refused it after well i floated out your situation to my boss Oh yeah, uh, and just hey, one of my friends, and he was like, he's like, honestly, he's like, even as a like, he's like a 
not necessarily a senior manager, but he's like a junior senior manager. Like he's one of those guys who has like, even though he's technically only a manager, he has like five teams under him mm-hmm. kind of thing. So like not quite senior manager, but more than should. And he's, yeah. he's been at the company for a million times. And he was like, yeah, he's like, they've not, he's like, I, they wouldn't give it to everybody. But he even said like, he's like, if you wanted that time off, he's like, you, we would kind of work it out with HR and probably yeah. do the same thing. Cause he's like, it's, one of those things where he's like, if, if an employee goes to you and says, I want to take up off like two, three months. And he's like, because they're under a lot of stress or they're not feeling it or they need to do whatever. It's like, there's so many studies about how damaging to your work, like capacity, like a real burnout is yeah. that if you can give someone a couple months off to a, like avoid, avoid a burnout, it, it, it's, it, Long term, you're you're gonna have a uh, like a fired up functional employee, like who in probably months. is gonna come back with a good amount of goodwill. You know, like I yeah, recognize exactly. they I'm had solid. to they had to limit themselves to give me this opportunity. So, you know, it yeah, improved my chances. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna you're gonna. I mean, not say gonna 100, percent but it's like it's a very possible future that you're gonna come back like rejuvenated and and be Commit. be doing better. You know, yeah. and, and like an, yeah, a usable employee versus where you're like a burnout can take like six to eight months to longer. And then when the employee comes back, they're not operating at 100 percent. Right. You know, like, right. So sure. And there's there a is, cost associated there's, there's, with that, too. A medical leave is going to cost the company, whereas a self-funded leave is not. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll cost them through insurance and whatever. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it. I mean, like there there is the the hats off to to your employer for giving you this opportunity but there is like there's still a greedy financial reason why this is still a good de- company decision to mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah. so i guess yeah like the question that is burning on our listeners and my minds uh what are you going to do with the time off do you have like a, a game plan do you have a a, a project that you want to try to try to do meditation you're going to write I a book do, actually so i have had um i'm doing like two weeks now up at the cottage where i think it's going to be like maximum decompression um mm-hmm. i have some programming projects that have been kicking around the back of my mind for years that i've never like had the time or like the the mental space to commit to and so I'm, okay. i think i might commit to doing some coding for like a month you know really hard and see how that goes and um Putting like uh, like applications or like queries or like what applications? Are you, yeah. applications? Are you gonna I'm gonna be mysterious. I don't want to. I don't want to say anymore. But yeah, it's been uh, it, like I I developed those skills when I was a younger man, and like I only started mm-hmm. using them really at the job in the last two years, and mm-hmm. um, uh, it feels fresh and good, and maybe I will appreciate doing it uh, for myself. You know, I like that. That's something that do you find coding like fulfilling? Like I, I, I'm just, I'm just asking because I was like, I, my brain would not want to do that. But oh man, like, it feels so good. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of coders are like, yeah, it's like writing code is like this Zen thing. So I'm not knocking it, but there's a bit of an artistic side to it. And then at the same time as there is that, there is a practical one or zero. My thing does the thing I wanted it to do or not. You know, so mm-hmm. you kind of get a best of both worlds or worst of both worlds situation. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, 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 I get, this is coming from ADD brain or whatever. Like, like the few, ta- the few times that like we, I took like, like basic uh, courses and stuff in high school and, and whatever else. It was just like the, that the infuriating thing of where you're just sort of like, it doesn't go is my only experience with 
with coding and then like going through the code and whatever was not fun and like running and looking for errors. And I'm just like, I'm going to get this yep. nerdy kid to do it for me. <laughs> like, not to say I wasn't a nerd, but I wasn't like a coding nerd. Yeah. I was like, no, yeah. this is not a thing that it doesn't like it just like that. that uh, I can see why like, I guess it's probably kind of like building a puzzle, I suppose. Yep. Right. And solving like, it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like creating and solving a puzzle simultaneously. Yeah. That, I still can't believe you haven't watched, uh, done the run through Silicon Valley, dude. Like the, the, the thing is, there was a point maybe like four or five years ago, probably even longer, like 10 years ago, where I kind of gave up on pirating things. And if mm-hmm. you're like out of that world and you don't have HBO, <laughs> the chances of me finding this show are zero. I guess there's Crave, baby. Crave. I don't know about giving Bell money. Yeah, I don't know. It's rough, but at, at, it's at least I think they they have it now as a standalone option, right? Like you don't necessarily yeah. need to have a cable package to subscribe to Crave. Oh, really? Yeah, I think you can just buy it. I think it has a. I think it's like it's ten dollars a month, and then it's another ten dollars a month for the HBO content. The application apparently is real bad, though. Mm. Like it, it Crave the the reviews of the application for Crave TV were so bad that it was seemed more feasible for me to uh, use a VPN to connect to HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> like like with a paid subscription, like I pay for HBO. I just give my money straight to HBO and have like a VPN through America. Yeah. Like then to deal with Crave, because like people were like, oh, like you, you pause the show, it'll restart and stuff. Like I was like, I was like, this is streaming services 101, Crave. And apparently it's gotten better since then. But uh, yeah, I imagine. But is I it is it know. only on the phone, or do they have a? Can you can you watch on the web? Uh, you can, I believe, and I'm not super familiar with the service because I heard about all of the crap with it and then did not subscribe to it. But yeah, sure. I believe there's a like a browser client and uh, like Android and iPhone clients, so you could <laughs> watch your stuff on the TV and right. uh, or watch it on the computer or watch it on the TV if you plugged your computer in or have the app or whatever. But yeah, apparently it's gotten a lot better since uh this was about a year ago that i was looking at it i think they made they made a lot of things i can't imagine though like how how do you how do you enter the streaming space without like a like the the basics like i'm like even if like we're not talking interface (laughs) like we're saying like if you pause if you pause the show and you press play it'll restart you're like what and you're like frequently like not just like the odd glitch here and there i was like what are you doing bell yep (laughs) Uh, but yeah, no, Silicon Valley, dude, it's, it, it's the, some of the, there's a, a lot of like nerdy geeky tech stuff that you would a hundred percent appreciate some sure. kind of the, the telecom stuff, but even, but even some of the code stuff, like every now and then they get like, like just like shitty to each other about their code. Uh-huh. <laughs> like where, where just someone just sort of like, it does the same thing. And then like someone else is just sort of like, yeah, but look, look at, look at my code. It's like a single line of what takes yours, like four to do like look at the purity and the elegance like and everyone's like what are you what are you guys talking about <laughs> like they do I, the I, same thing i have had that exact moment actually before i started dating anna all the mm-hmm. way back at programming we had that exact same interchange what's that sorry we had that exact same interchange there was, I looked at, she was like, I don't know how this code works. Can you give me a hand? I was like, yeah, why not? And I, I walk over and I take a look and it's like three pages and I did the same thing in two lines. And I was like, oh, well, you could do it this way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Elegant, that was, beautiful. <laughs> it was just, I was like, and then you got super laid. <laughs> Somehow. You. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, but possibly yep. that's what happened. Oh uh, man! So, so doing some code. I also I was gonna. I meant to ask if you were gonna. I know that you were you were tooling around with a uh, a board game design at one point. Is that something mm. you want to revisit? Or I should actually bring that up to Debbie. We had so much fun working on that for a while, and then we got busy with other projects. And ended up playing um, Spirit Island for like a all, year. A year. <laughs> <laughs> that and Arkham Horror. But um, mm. I, I don't know. We hadn't talked about it, but maybe I should bring that back out. Right now, it's really the like the programming that I'm that I think I'm gonna like commit to, but I still have six weeks after decompressing and doing that, so there's a mm-hmm. lot of time. I might do a whole bunch of physical stuff too. See if I can. Mm-hmm. I like lost muscle mass over the the COVID time of sitting at home for all these months. It's gonna try to be a new John. Well, there's like a healthier me, you know. So it's mm-hmm. it's three months is a long ass time to to have to yourself, and I don't know that I, I haven't I haven't had time to myself. Feels great. I'm excited, excited yeah. for you, John. Uh, I was gonna say, speaking of board games, um, yeah. over the weekend I played the Binding of Isaac. Uh, well, card game, but it's like a it's a it's not like a CCG. It's a it is it played entirely with cards. Mm-hmm. But it's like you buy the box and you play it. Apparently, it's derivative of the um, Commander variant of Magic: The Gathering. Okay, so there's like, what is Commander? So someone someone told this to me, and they were like, "Oh, it's kind of like Commander with Magic: The Gathering." And I was like, "Uh huh." I don't. <laughs> and I was like, "I think Commanders <laughs> might have been after my days." I don't. I don't really remember. I remember Two Headed Ogre. That's what I thought of when you said Commander, but I don't think it's the same thing. So I'll tell you the how the Binding of Isaac card game works. Yeah, and and I can understand. So I mean, I guess this would be solved pretty quickly with Google if you looked yeah. up like what the command variant is. But I believe you like monsters and stuff come out of a of a like a communal deck of some kind, mm-hmm. and each person like and like your monsters kind of like need to fight them as opposed to necessarily being PvP is what I think the commander version is hmm. like, it, cause it, it's apparently like an, a completely different deck construction and stuff. That was uh, Ed McMillan even said, he was like, I always like commander as who's the guy who designed Binding yeah. of Isaac, the video game. And apparently was like heavily involved in designing the card game as well. He was like, I always like commander, the commander variant of magic the gathering, but like the, the cost of entry was just stupid yep. where you'd have to find like someone who was a into that mode of play and had built like a separate deck that does not follow the normal magic, like logarithms to sure, make a, sure. a, a functional deck. So you're like, it's this whole other style of play that you couldn't, you can't just like quickly adapt a deck right. to commander. Like it's a whole other construction rules and whatever. I think it's just, they're using the rules to some other way. So that was apparently a big inspiration to him uh, designing the Binding of Isaac card game. Uh, it's super fun. Like the, the the skinning is also like just right. Like it's uh, like you the same thing. Like you you start off with you, you draw. So every player, like we played it four players. Mm-hmm. Every player draws a character and then get one uh, eternal item, which is their basically their power. Okay. Like they, they have one power and you have treasure cards, you have loot cards and you have monster cards. Uh, there's two treasure cards that are face up and there's two monster cards that are face up. 
when you do the prerequisites to either attack a monster or to acquire treasure, you can either go for the two face up or go for the one face down. Okay. That's like that's the core of the game. And your actions are you can um, you you loot loot once, like you draw one loot card on your turn. Mm-hmm. You can activate a loot card. You can buy an item in the store, and you can attack a monster, or you can tap your benum to activate a second loot card. Okay. So that's or to play a second loot card, I should say, to play a second loot card. And it plays a lot. If you play Binding of Isaac, you know that you start off the game as your guy and you just shoot like pew, 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 like one little uh, one little shot Tear. of tears. Yeah, exactly. But then as you like gain items and whatnot, you're sometimes you get super powerful. Sometimes you don't. But then sometimes the items start to play off each other. Sometimes they don't. And this mimics that in a way that I was like so impressed by like like the first couple rounds you're just sort of like okay i play with loot card and i do whatever but then all of a sudden by defeating the monsters and picking up the treasures you're like okay like i tap this which is going to turn all of my dice rolls to a six and i tap this which cancels like this and i tap this which makes this happen and i like i move this and then i play this which attacks all the other players and like a bomb goes off and like everyone takes damage and the like and yeah and suddenly you have like these like crazy combos which i thought was just very like reminiscent of how the game plays like your your first rounds are like two seconds to just be like i can do my basic things but then towards the like middle end game of it you're just like all four players have these like ridiculous combos that are all kind of like playing off each other and off of like everybody else's like all of a sudden one of the players had uh every time someone rolled a three for any circumstance he could steal a loot card (laughs) <laughs> you know so you're just like, like you're in the middle of the way and you're like oh that's a three and then you're just like what what's going on is it competitive you know, like, between the players or is it cooperative uh, it's competitive well yeah competitive is in the sense like that you're it's the first person to collect four soul cards which are either come from various uh various conditions or monster uh various monsters first person to get four wins but there is certainly like a collaborative element to it where like I could like say one of my powers was anytime someone rolls a one, I can force a reroll, mm-hmm. which is like a four or against because sometimes you want to roll a one. <laughs> and so you can have like, there's like a lot of negotiation where it's like someone rolls a one and they want that to happen. And I'll be like, pay me something and I won't make you reroll it, hmm. you know, or at the same time, someone could roll a one and they need a six and I'll be like, pay me something or like a future favor or whatever. And I will give you that reroll, you know, like, yeah. So there's a lot, a lot of that happens very quickly. Like there's a lot of different modes that like affect dice rolls, which so like the game really does a good job of like encouraging that kind of like, will I help you? Will I not help you? You know, like even rolling the three, uh, it was not like mandatory steal. So like you'd roll a three and then you'd be like, I won't steal from you if you can like, just give me even something little Yeah. like later on, you know, like, like just like a paid forward kind of thing. Like it's not necessarily a, a handshake deal, but like, you could just be like, listen, I won't screw with you this round. Help me out if I really need it. If you can, you know, like, so like there's various degrees. And then there's also like, there's big degrees where you can be like, I can literally play a card that will beat a monster and give you a soul, you know, like where, where you are about to die. I can like literally play my actions. You'll beat the monster. You'll get a soul, which is one of your victory conditions and you won't die. And I want that like rare treasure for that play you know so like all trades and stuff are like totally legal and above board Hmm. 
so there's there's a lot of that where you're like oh crap do i like take the death or get the soul do i get the trade the whatever like i thought it was really 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 fun how and, long does uh, a round also, take a round or a game well like a round <laughs> is each person playing once right and then so well, the game. Like it, the first couple rounds are fast, and then it slows down when you start to like go crazy. Have the mess, have the mess of cards in front of you, and you're trying to figure out how to how to chain your combos and untap and reattack and like and because like those the those like that basic set of moves that I just described, uh, like with various items, you can start to have like second turns or second attacks or like start untapping your items and then get a whole other turn out of it. Like hmm. there's a there's a whole thing. And then there's also, and this was super fun because my wife played it, um, and also super on brand for Binding of Isaac. Like, there's one of the one of the powerful, a powerful single use like legendary item is divorce papers, <laughs> <laughs> where you literally like pick a target and you get like you steal one of the treasures like in front of them, which are usually the most powerful one, and then get and then you half their cards from their hand and half their money. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, come on now. That's so on brand with Binding of Isaac too. Yeah. It's great. But, and that's also like, it's so funny too, because we just like, any anytime there was a rules, um, like a rules lawyering, like, does it mean this or does it mean that? Because it's Binding of Isaac, we were just like, we default to like, it means the shittiest one. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and I was like, I don't know if that's actual, like, you know, what the game designer's intention is, but I do know what like, Ed McMillan's intention was of creating Binding of Isaac. And chances are you're like, hey, do you think this is as bad as you think it is? Yeah, probably. <laughs> like it's hmm. it's Binding of Isaac. Like the game will give you super powerful things, but if it's like if something is shitty, it's usually like real bad. Like there's like items even in the video game where you're just sort of like, oh, you got this item and now all of your damage just does 25% and it's garbage. And you're like, but I didn't want that. And you're like, well, too bad. You picked it up and you can't drop it. <laughs> like awesome so yeah so we were like if that was basically our 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 rules guide was just if make it suck yeah make make it suck like we were saying so here this is nerdy thing so if someone if i had a thing uh, a card where it said if you roll a one right Uh and then you have a another card that says uh turn a roll into any value that you want it to Okay. Right. If you turn, so you roll a four and you turn that roll into a one. Did you roll a one? Because I feel that you turned it into a one by playing the card. But I I think that's the point of that turning it into. If it didn't count that you rolled it, what's the point of the card? Wait, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, so you like, I'm just saying there's two cards in effect, right? Like you roll a four and you really want a one. Yeah. And then you have a card that Uh, makes the four a one. And you make a four a one. Does my card that says when you roll a one, I can make it re-roll? I mean, I think you're going to try to spuriously argue that it doesn't count because you haven't rolled it. But that other card that you're playing, the whole purpose of it is to to like now use that new value as if you had just rolled it. Exactly. That's so. And that, so that it was, should apply. And that's what we chose. He was like, he's like before sort of like she's like, okay, I needed to be a one, and I was like, she like plays the card. I was like, I'm going to make you re-roll that one. She's like, no. <laughs> And because of like binding of Isaac rules, we're like, yeah, that definitely like you turned that role into a one, right? right. <laughs> like, I know, like I, it's it's fully because uh, I was like, you only get the benefit if you rolled a one, so you can't get that benefit for free. So that means if you get the benefit of rolling a one, you also will have the downside of rolling a one, which is I'm forcing you to re-roll that. <laughs> right. 
anyway, yeah, good, good fun. Uh, and super, super, um, like it's one of those, I think a little bit like Magic the Gathering, in fact, where the complexity level of entry is small. Right. And like where, and every card kind of like every card has the rules of the card on it. And you, you don't need to have like a, a super like, once you understand, like I said, it's, it's draw, draw a loot card, play a loot card, tap to play a second one, and you can attack and buy. Mm-hmm. And then obviously some cards say tap, some cards say passive, some cards say whatever. And it's like, because you sort of, you gain cards relatively slowly, the complexity kind of builds. So even if it's your first time, you're not at a disadvantage because in the first round, even if you're playing someone who's played a hundred times, they can still only do those those three things in their beginning turn, you know, like, right. so like the complexity kind of like builds organically and you only ever, you don't need to have the deck memorized. You just need to know what's in front of you yeah. and how to like make that. Go. So like Sarah, Sarah was saying like, oh yeah, like I enjoyed the fact that I felt like I was like chaining some combos together with that. It was my first time playing and I never, I don't know what other combos there could be in the deck, but it's like it come makes sense where I'm drawing cards. I know which cards can work with the cards that I have, so I know what to pick. You know, like mm-hmm. um, <laughs> very fun. I would play again and would recommend. And it's also, I think, I've kind of a rarity. I would say that uh, like a property, like a game based on a property, is like. Not, I wouldn't. I don't know if it's as good as Binding of Isaac, but is like compelling on its own. Know, on its own, I, I heard like that Dark Souls big... video or a board game was not that impressive. And there's like a wide range of board games that have good IPs and are kind of dubious. I would say the the big one that they, the big standout would probably be Battlestar. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that was amazing. It actually transcends the show. Absolutely, <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> because the show kind of fizzles, whereas like Battlestar of the Game is a very good game, which I still does. It blows my mind that they've never reskinned it. Yeah, like, I think there's like, a version of that game that is a million times better. That is the exact same, but just like half as fiddly. There's so many little stupid bits that actually do matter for the balance and for like keeping all the elements of the show going. But man, they should have simplified that thing. Yeah, but I, I feel that you could probably like do a second edition of that game. Yeah, and and not even call it a second edition, but just like re reskin it as like some sort of a like a medieval court or whatever, so that it's just like a generic ass skin, so you don't just have to deal with like who are these characters? Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, or, and you just have like the vizier and the like whatever, and just like genericify the characters, so you just have longevity on the game, and then probably like yeah, like you said, maybe do a bit of a cleanup on the rule set because that was like it came out like. Early in, the, out, in the, the board game renaissance, it still has some of the old timey uh, moving tokens. Also in, yeah, specifically also in the, it was a fantasy flight game too, yep. which was like, uh, like same thing with the original Arkham Horror and stuff where it was like fiddly bits was the name of the game. Name of the game. And it was just like high levels of complexity was like a function of the games that they were designing at that time and stuff. So it was like, I think that modern, modern like we're talking 10 years later 15 years later tops but just like in the last 10 years the like streamlining of games while still like retaining the complexity has become like a lot more um have you played um, avalon i have not i've had it recommended yeah it's uh, really really fucking cool i i I hope that this is the right the right name of the game but it's like it's a it's a it's battlestar galactica if you took out the board 
So at mm-hmm. the start, everybody is ev- either on in Arthur's like the every every player is a knight in Arthur's court, and um, the knights have to be sent off to do quests. But some of the knights are on Mordred's side, and if a Mordred knight is sent on a quest, then the quest is going to fail. So you kind of have to like choose who you're going to send and then see how the quest, if it's successful or not, and then deduce which of the two potentially is the villainous person. It's really, really, really intense because it's all social. A social role-playing card-based party game. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow <laughs> we haven't busted it out before. Oh, wait, I've, it takes place in the dystopian universe. Does it? Oh, yeah. Along with Love Letter, I think. Is that... Uh, not Love Letter with Pooh. Coup, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, Coup is uh, Coup's the other one, which I... Coup is one of those games which seems super, like, easy, and, and you're just sort of like, oh, like, there's obvious plays until, like, everybody at the table knows how to play it, and then you're like, oh, crap. Uh-huh, like, yeah. it, it, yeah. it, it, you know, it's just like it's one of those games that takes, like, four or five rounds to before it, like, elevates, like, where you're like, why is this... Like, Coup has been one of those things where, like, it floats around in the, like, bestsellers and top lists and has been for, like, years. yeah. And I picked it up and was like, I don't get it until I finally put like a couple rounds in. And I was like, oh, I definitely get it. But it's like, but then you need to be playing with a bunch of people that also get it. It plays, it plays a lot like love letter on steroids, mm-hmm. right? Where it's your, you have two, but it's like, imagine if you're uh, like, instead of love letter where you're trying to keep one card and try to keep the highest card, you're trying to keep two people secret. And mm-hmm. then, but those also are your two lives. So you're, you're trying to use, you can use their powers to like influence the the rest of the game, like because each part, like look at a person's hand or look at this. But then, if someone calls you on it, you have to like reveal that you have that person, and if they're wrong, they lose a life. So you can also bluff and use other powers other than the powers you have, if nobody as calls long you as on people it. If nobody yeah. calls you on it, right? So there's like like yeah, it, it's. Again, it's a kind of like what I think what you're saying, where you're like, there's a lot of it is social based, where you're like, yeah, you can kind of make up the rules if you want to, mm-hmm. <laughs> or like you can kind of say, I'm going to go do this, and it really just depends on how good you are actually at bluffing. Oh, you know? very, so, very much so. That's amazing. I'll have to check it out. Uh, <clears throat> there was a news story that I kind of wanted to talk about, even though yeah. it's slightly out of date. It just wanted to. It, I, I have I have a a branch. <laughs> to make it apropos okay um so cardi b i'm really sad scott's not here but yeah i know he's all good to cardi b (laughs) gotta strike while the iron's hot so (laughs) cardi b released her first single uh in like over a year like her first like she's i think she's featured on other um tracks Uh but this is her first like cardi b song in over a year can can you uh, for the listeners who maybe don't know who or what cardi b is say something about her style and what her new single is called wap which is and which stands for wet ass pussy okay that's all you need to know about cardi b was that her first single back was called wap The, uh-huh. the, the, the radio edit of it is is they they censored it to wet and gushy, uh-huh. and I was like, I don't even know. I I was like, almost more offensive. <laughs> like, yeah. if you're gonna be, if you're throwing out the descriptors, I was like, your radio edit is wet and gushy. Well, there's a lot of more uncomfortable choices, so maybe maybe we should be happy they chose that one. Yeah, exactly. And if you want to, uh, I guess make somebody blush 
just like read the lyrics. It's it's a, a tour de force in like raunchy lady rap. Mm-hmm. Um, but she the uh, featuring heavily on the uh, on the track is Megan the Stallion, who Megan the Stallion, okay, the Stallion, T H E E, oh, okay, two E's on the Stallion. And um, I'm not sure where that lands grammatically. Are we referring to her as a Stallion, or is she referring to someone else as a Stallion with that? Or perhaps it's like the weird like possessive the where she's being given a stallion. Oh, right. Like, a, like it's a declaration then. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like Megan, the stallion over there. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's it. So I don't know. I don't know where the, where the grammar lands, Okay. but um, <clears throat> uh, two things about Megan, the stallion and the, we're getting to the thing that I actually want to talk about mm-hmm. one on the track WAP. Um, blows Cardi out of the water. Cause she's a much, much, much better rapper, which I always, mm-hmm. I never thought Cardi B as a rapper was very good. And two, uh, about two or three weeks ago, so this is like in, in like the most celebrity WTF are celebrities. What are you even doing? Category. Mm-hmm. So Megan the Stallion and uh, hip hop star Tory Lane, Tory Lanes. My bad. I'm so old and white. Uh, <laughs> we're at a party, Kylie Jenner's house. Uh-huh. If rumors are to be believed, uh, Megan took um, took offense at how much time uh, Kylie was spending with Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez is a dude, by the way. Uh, okay. <clears throat> and Tory has been a lady, like Tory Spelling, but it's not. Um, and apparently they kind of got into an argument and left, um, left the party kind of in a huff. And then someone, by all accounts, probably Tory Lane, Tory Lanez, is this uh, going to be a double decker, an upper decker not a, story? Not an upper decker. Shot her in the feet. Shot her a, in the feet with a gun, like a for real gun, like a for real gun. Like she had to have bullets removed from her feet because in an argument, and so she ne- she didn't press charges or anything. So it's like she was in an argument last scene with Tory Lanes, went into a car, and then she had to have bullets removed from her feet. So a lot of people just presume. That it was Tory Lanez that shot her in the feet. <laughs> I mean, like, it's such a weird place to shoot, yellow, but you would kind of see it happening in a car. I mean, I we had some out of control parties back in the day. If we had had guns and infinite drugs and money around, you know, somebody might have gotten shot in the feet. Infinite, it's like infinite guns and money, and also like zero um, consequences, cares. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. like ma- massive amounts of like ego and just complete disassociation from reality. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 All those good high quality like, virtues. Those like, like Megan the Stallion like gets like, uh, like in a, in a shooting. I was like, what the hell? And it's like, and shot in the feet and like possibly by the guy she's seeing. And I was like, I was like, you people are all very rich celebrities. What is that? Get your shit together. <laughs> like, like don't, don't shoot somebody in the feet. Like, or don't shoot someone period. But just like, what is, the, oh my goodness. I, <laughs> I feel that, it's a, like um, it's as much of a like indictment of the like industry that has propped these people up. I feel as it is of the people themselves that like it created an environment where that could happen. 
I mean, you know I'm I mean? not sure like, that this indicts them more than many, many, many other things. This is just another star in the constellation of the horrors of LA. Yeah, for sure. Oh, oh no, but but that's but that, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, like but the star, like the star fucker machine. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like that's th- that you're like that you've created a world where a bunch of wealthy people can go to a party and then one of them shoots another one in the feet, like, and everyone's just like, whatever. And then like my new singles out in two weeks. And I was like, are we not going to just like really spend a lot of time and like assess our lives that you got into an argument and someone shot you like mm-hmm. ah, blows my mind. <laughs> like, uh, but anyway, yeah, so there's a big, uh, big track hang on it came out four days ago i want to know how many how many views did it get how many it, it's this also basically yes it, i it, it is also something that uh teenage boys could certainly jerk off to um like the video starts with like two statues of them like it's like a zoom in on a weird like mansion slash funhouse and it like comes through the gates like the camera comes through the gates and it's all cg and it's like two statues of them back to back with uh, like a fountain of their breasts just spraying water out of their breasts. That's like the f- opening three seconds of the video. Uh-huh. I think we should do a frame by frame watch with Scott while he tells us about. I'm looking at the that. lyrics over here. I got to say, these are pretty crass. Oh, yeah. That's what that's I said. Like, if you want to make old like people that. blush. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 64 million views in three days so far. Right on. And, and counting. If one million of the people who watch that video could download this podcast, I would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be down. Uh, but yeah, that was my uh, my weird somehow tipping into like weird click hole into celebrity news and finding out that a nice lady celebrity got shot in the feet due to an argument possibly involving Kylie Jenner. Likely on drugs. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, at the very least, drunk. <laughs> like, I can't even. I can't even imagine like waving a gun around threateningly, sober. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm like, like, there's certain levels of inebriation where who knows, <laughs> but yeah. like sober, I was like that idea would not even like seem, like I would not even like draw a weapon, sober. And except to like sit, try to defend my own life, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, we don't live it though. We, we're we're not in gun culture. I can understand it being totally more normal to have guns around the house and whatever. But if you're so rich, I don't agree with it. But yeah, uh, that's that. I think that's the part that blows my mind. Is I'm like you, you're you, you're all wealthy, or whatever. Even if you are super into gun culture, like get your driver to carry the gun. <laughs> like. <laughs> like I don't know why. Why do you have to have the gun? It's a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a huge list of things you watched, and we haven't talked about any of them. I did. Um, what do you want to hear about? Um, I, hear about the the list. I do want to hear about The Omen. I watched The Omen. The, um, this is the original one? 1976. Yeah, what do you think? Had you seen um, it I had, I had seen it before, a very long mm-hmm. time ago. Um holds up like really really well like because mm-hmm. it's so like minimalistic and like there aren't a ton of um like it, it's a lot it's almost like the anti-exorcist in a weird way 
mm-hmm. like where like the exorcist had the like crawling and the head spinning around and the vomit and all that stuff yeah. like and this, this just has damien as like the creepy little kid who like sometimes screams and like sometimes there's like the red eyes or whatever else but Vigo it's Martinson's like in it, right? no the original there's nobody of note okay. in the original oh no wait that's a lie gregory peck is in the original okay it's like 1976. Viggo Mortensen was. I know. I thought he was younger than that, possibly. But I seem to recall reading somewhere he was attached to something Omen related. But yeah, no, Greg. Yeah, but Gregory Peck though is one of the one of the leads, which like gives the whole thing like a, a bit of seriousness. Like a, well, not not necessarily just a seriousness, but like a um, like legitimacy. Hmm. where you're like yes this is a trashy film about like a possessed little boy or whatever but like you're like but that's gregory peck (laughs) you know like like who's who's not who's not um who's not jeremy ironsing the role in any way like like he's he's playing i was gonna say yeah like he's he's not playing it over the top or like ridiculous like he's he's giving in like this you're like that is the same actor who was in To Kill a Mockingbird, you know? Like you're like, <laughs> but being in a weird like '70s horror film with a haunted little boy, you know? Like, but like bringing that same like seriousness and gravitas to the role that he like did as Atticus Finch, you know? Like, mm-hmm. which is kind of strange. Also, it was super funny because um, Sarah hadn't seen it before, and she was like, "Oh, so is this just the like the." the origin story for the kid in good omens. I'm like, yes, very much. So. <laughs> it's like good omens, just copy pasted Damien's origin story, like into the book mm-hmm. in a big way. Like I'm like, there's, they, they never even pretended it was anything else. Like you were supposed to read good omens and be like, Oh yeah. Like the omen. <laughs> Is that true? Uh, oh, hundred percent. Like the dude, the the mixed up kids and then he ends up in like the regular family and it's like the evil nunnery and all that stuff like it's Man, literally co- I... copy pasted from the omen like like it's it, it's more of a like a, a comedy of errors in good omens yeah but yeah the, but the like the evil nunnery that like puts the the bringer of the apocalypse into a like a unsuspecting family who then starts to exhibit like powers. And then they even like a hellhound arrives to take care of him and stuff. Like it's, you're right. It, it, it's straight up out the omen. dude. Like, I, I kind of, I read the good omens in a really quick go in sci-fi 20 some odd years ago. And I kind of don't remember really liking it. I, I seem to remember there being some good parts and then a whole lot of um, trying to be like Douglas Adams and kind of not. I, I think that like, the thing about like, I like Good Omens a lot, but I would say the thing that I find a little jarring about it is I find you can almost without question tell which author is writing. Yeah. So it's like it's jarring. Yeah. Like it, it takes a long time to kind of like get the flow. And I think that what it, if you can like if your brain can like if you can sort of tell your brain that there's two narrative voices and like sort of like slide into that i find it becomes more comfortable but otherwise like my i think i think like the first couple times i even tried tried to read it i ended up putting it down because i was like there's no flow to right. this it was like really like really janky and kind of like all over the place and you're I like think what you i enjoyed the tv show did it do it really, uh, yeah. it did and um they're i think they're doing a second season or something of it too hmm. like 
they because they they kind of fiddle with the ending a little bit to to leave it a little more open ended. Sure. And I mean, it's also in that it's one of those Amazon Prime things which they're just pouring money into. To I was going to say Amazon Jeff Prime. really wants a TV channel, you know. So if it <laughs> anything he can do to make it work, and what he has is infinite money. Yep. Yeah. Good Omens. Yeah, they announced it July thirteenth. Good Omens returning with season two. Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett are on board. Um, and six episodes. Yeah, so six episodes renewal. And uh, yeah, that's it. Apparently that they're, they were like in pre-production prior to pandemic. So they haven't even started filming. But it's like, it's greenlit kind of thing. Like it's, uh, hmm. it's on pandemic hold. Like it probably would have been almost shot by now, right? Yeah. Like if if it hadn't have been for the pandemic, but yeah, no, the omen holds up. Like it's, uh, I, I even there's like a couple weird things about it that just seem like very like weird and necessary. Like when they're like so when Gregory Peck um, enlists like another a guy who's kind of like put the pieces together because there's a lot like there's a lot of like there's photographic foreshadowing of the evil that befalls those who like oppose the child. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, if you see like a picture of someone and there'll be like a weird, like black smudge on the camera uh, like in the photo, once he develops it and then like a big, uh, like spear from a church would fall through the guy's neck later or whatever, you know, even though there was mm-hmm. stuff like that. Anyway. So when Gregory Peck, uh, like teams up with that guy, he they take like a weird like it makes total sense in terms of i think like maybe like tropes of the genre in a weird way even though i don't necessarily know the genre of possession films but like they go to uh, like i'm not i don't know if they i was gonna say like mesopotamia (laughs) but like it was the prophecy that's where i fucked it up Oh. Viggo Mortensen was in the prophecy, not in the Omen. I'm sorry. Yes, hang on. The Omen film. Yeah. Did he play the kid or something? Or no, no, no. He definitely doesn't. He was in. It was. It was the prophecy. I was confusing with things. The Omen 1976 film. But yeah, there's a weird, um, like, there they go. They they go into like an an ancient like Etruscan like cemetery, and like mm-hmm. so there's like a weird like globe hopping thing sort of happens but like it happens so low-key that you're like everything takes place in like london or whatever and then you're like now we're in like cemetery where you're looking for like his biological mother and then they find like a jackal carcass or whatever and then they're like back in london and you're like what did what did you like they just hopped off like they just took a little like weird i mean i guess it's it like that's at least italy but i feel they go somewhere else too Right. Yeah, there, there's a weird like little bit of like globe trotting that happens right in the middle of the film to like to no consequence other than to be like yes it is spooky, and then the, and then the rest of it takes place back in London, which just it just seemed like kind of jarring. But uh-huh. so the film ends. Yep. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers to a film for wait seventy six eighty six ninety six two thousand almost fifty years old. Mm-hmm. Right. Eighty six two thousand six years old. Uh, so spoilers. Um, the film ends with a the so Gregory Peck and his wife are Gregory Peck is actually the American ambassador to the UK or whatever, 
and uh, he and his wife have both been killed uh, by Damien. And uh, of course, Damien is supposed to bring about Armageddon. And uh, you just so be- at because he's the big important diplomat at the funeral. The president of the United States is there at Gregory Peck's funeral, and then you see like Damien like smiling calmly as he like looks at the president. Mm-hmm. So I guess like we're led to believe that the president adopts him. I don't know. That's how we got the Clintons. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So it's. It's it, they they jumped right into the sequels on this, which I haven't. I don't think I've seen. Damien Omen two came out in seventy eight, and then Omen three, the final conflict, and this was the one where there's like some like young stunt casting. Hello? Is Sam Neill plays the grown up Damien in in Omen three in nineteen eighty one? Like a young Sam Neill plays the plays the adult Damien in a position of like earthly power, like. Sam Neill, dude. Awesome. Yeah, which I mean, I, I was like, man, now do I got to go through and watch all the omens? I mean, isn't there only three? Uh, I think the original. Se- oh no, Omen Four was in 1991, The Awakening, and then there was a remake. Oh my god! Oh, hang on. <laughs> Speaking, of, well, this is Omen Four. I was like, I've never even heard of Omen Four because Omen Four, The Awakening, is a. Canadian made for TV horror film. <laughs> it's the final installment of the original series. Oh I think my. we have to find that and watch it, Keith. I... Like how the how the like you have Gregory Peck in your opening film, followed by I mean like like by I think it definitely like trailed off, and I'm sure Final Conflict was not like a massive hit or whatever. But like, but still, like Sam Neill. Oh, I say it, it did. It still had a five or six million dollar budget and made twenty point five million in nineteen eighty one. I'm amazed. Is- Sam Neill appears goddamn everywhere in these movies, like off brand. Yeah. Like I don't understand why he never made it bigger. I think that's odd. I mean, that's so forty. Like, and I say a young Sam Neill, but he was already thirty four or whatever when he when he was. In the Omen Three, yeah, I was like, oh, "How old was he in 1981?" But yeah, no, Sam Neill was born in 1947, so by 1981, he was already like an established actor. I guess he must have been in it in the biz forever. He has like a giant. He started making movies. His first appearances in films were from 1975. He's been making movies forever. Sam Neill? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So many movies, and mostly I think, like, I think mostly horror too, right? Like horror or like genre adjacent, at least genre adjacent. But like his his biggest works have all been pretty good, right? Like, um, In the Mouth of Madness was legendary. Fucking Jurassic Park, um, Mm -hmm. he was Merlin. I think that was really good. Event Horizon. Event, have you rewatched Event Horizon in the, the past little while? Like, it's been a couple of years, but I saw it quite a few times before. I, I really like that movie. It's a great Lovecraftian sci-fi. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's it. Like, I think it was a little too weird for its time. Maybe. Like when you're like, you're, you're like, but why? And you're like, cause like, you know, like there was no real explanation. Like, but if you, if you, ex- and, and I don't think that like necessarily um, like a lot of, cause I remember it having a pretty wide release and it being kind of like marketed as sci-fi. I think probably trying to capitalize on Doom. Like, 
like that's why it got the wide release it did but then i think that like when there was no real explanation and just everything goes to crap and like just otherworldly stuff just starts flying through like i think it just didn't necessarily resonate with a wide audience but like what you said like if you're into that lovecraft stuff like event horizon is it's lovecraft and there's not a lot of movies that go there which and it's as cool as you think it is (laughs) you know if someone's like if someone tells you it's like Lovecraft in space and you're like, that sounds amazing. You're like, yes. If you're like, what? Then don't, it's not for you. This is going to be horrible for everybody involved. <laughs> like, you probably won't enjoy this. Oh, man. Oh, he was in Hunt for Red October, too. Yep. Um, I think we could hold off on, on Are you? I would recommend watching The Omen before we rank it, though. Yep. I want to know where you where you think it is. It's one of those films that were like, I'd only seen it maybe like, once before in college yeah that's where and it is for me i kind of remember some parts of it i remember damien but like not uh not the details too much yeah that's it. we had we had it uh we had it kicking around on dvd so we watched it watched it up at the cottage because watching old horror movies at the cottage is super fun and i watched and, and was- it up at the cottage and it was also an old horror movie that was kind of crap although i will admit that it has not survived I was going to say, Omen wasn't kind of crap, though. It was like, it held up very well. And also, and especially that's, I think, the the thing. When did Exorcist come out? Huh? Exorcist 1. I feel like 79 or something. The Exorcist film came out in, the novel was 71 and the movie was 73. Okay. So Omen was 76. So like certainly after The Exorcist, but still in like the proto- horror like times right like it was well before like jason and freddy like Mm -hmm. last house on the like last house on the left was early 70s i want to say 72 so it's like it's yeah it's in that like that four or five year period of horror movies you know like like being a thing almost like from from a right, I should say. I mean, there have been horror movies forever, but like when horror movies, I think like cranked it up in terms of being like more than just like a spooky goo goo. Does, does Chainsaw whatever, Massacre like, fit in that time frame? Mm, I think I so. Chainsaw. I'm like, there's Last House, yeah, seventy four, yeah, exactly. Like, and I think the big, I would guess that the big kickoff or not kickoff, but I'm like, I guess like the the. I think here's my, this is my, I've watched a lot of the movies and watching the progression. I think that they started making kind of more edgy horror films in the 70s, like 70, 71, 72, 73, 74. And then Jaws came out in 75. And I think then that was like the mega boom that like pushed it forward. Because it's like when you watch those like early 70s movies, even if you're not necessarily like, not necessarily into them. They're like, they're significantly more tense and scary than anything, almost anything that comes out of the sixties or fifties or oh, whatever. Easily. But, like, but they were in a different era then. Like if you remember, you know, 2001, a space odyssey, people still say it's very slow, but a lot of movies in that, in that space would take the time. Like the first star Trek movie had those same very long patient shots. You can't, oh yeah, and that, that's, that's there in the omen too, where you're like, now he's driving in a car. <laughs> Let's hang out with him a little bit. I wonder what he's thinking, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, and you're like, mm, 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 like, and it's just like zooming in slowly on his face. And you're like, how long are we watching this? For? <laughs> and like, it's not like you ever even find out what he's thinking. You're just like, but I feel that that like did a good job of like, it creates like this unsettling vibe, you know, <laughs> where you're like, whoa, man. 
especially and like i mean it's the i don't necessarily know how they pulled it off but especially when you have like gregory peck in that role who can actually like play subtlety and stuff on his face so like Mm -hmm. if you tell a director to be like think about your son who is maybe going to bring about armageddon (laughs) you know and then just like put the camera on gregory for several minutes he can like be an interesting face to look at while we play like weird haunting organ music right Whereas I don't think a lot of actors would necessarily be able to know what to do with that. You know, like you're like, what do I think about? Do I like make like without making like weird, like scrunchy face or whatever, you know, like, whereas he did it, he did a compelling job in the role of like, you're like, Oh, this is like tearing this guy up inside. I'm going to be honest, but a lot of, I'm familiar with the name Gregory Peck, but I cannot say that I immediately remember a whole bunch of movies that he was in. Well, the big, the the big one is to kill a mockingbird. He played Atticus Finch. Right, like that's. Uh, but he's also he's been in a ton. Did he win an Academy Award? Yes, he was five Academy Award nominations and won once for Atticus Finch and To Kill a Mockingbird. He was also nominated for Keys of the Kingdom, The Yearling, Gentleman's Agreement, and Twelve O'Clock High. Like he was a big, big other notable. He was in Spellbound, Gunfighter, Roman Holiday, the original Cape Fear. Moby Dick. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. He yeah. was in both. Yeah. He was in both Cape Fears. How the West was won. Like, yeah, like, like, like very, I mean, if you Google the picture of him, like you recognize him immediately, like very like actors, actor yeah. Yeah. kind of thing. I think he was probably, like, I think that's kind of how he ended up in the, in the Omen mm-hmm. was, I think he was like, like that was like 14 years post to kill a mockingbird and all of his other nominations were like in the 40s so he was just kind of like i'm just an old guy getting a paycheck yep. but like still had the chop you know <laughs> like so i guess could 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 have figured it out that way but uh but yeah exactly there's there's no reason that it, he, he should be in what is essentially like a b movie about the antichrist <laughs> like but uh but because he is it like gets into your like you're like this is way better than it should be because it's like he's in 90 percent of the scenes you know like it's not just like he's a, carrying it he's not just like yeah you're like it's not just like he's at the role he is the absolute main character like damien is barely in the stupid film you know like he's just a kid who like drives around on a little bicycle and looks kind of creepy the kid does a good job of that but it's not like the the entire brunt of the film is carried by the Gregory Peck character. Hmm. So, and because they did happen to land a very good actor in it. But yeah, so before we rate it, I think we definitely need to... You yeah, need yeah, to yeah, I it. want to rewatch Maybe it. We'll make it. Cool, so we'll yeah, I would say... Um, I would say holds up better than... Uh, uh, like, those that list of movies that we went... Like, I would say holds up better than Texas and Last House on the Left, in terms of, like it's horror contemporaries like glass house on the left is very weird. And the like both and both of them, like the narrative, both last house on the left and Texas, like the narratives just like spiral away into like, I don't even, I don't understand anybody's motivation or why any of this is happening. It's just, I guess shock horror for shock horror's sake. But yeah, but the thing that I wanted to just finish on is I find it weird that there was no real like copycats that came out of those two movies. Right. Do you, do you like, think, um, hold on, In the Mouth of Madness was like part of a three-part vague series, right? And the other ones were sort of more about Satan and the end of the world. None of those guys count. Um, yeah, but they were, they were, I think they were much more about like monstrous 
stuff. They were, it was never like subtle, like an evil is creeping into your life. It was just, it's like, here it is. And there's monsters. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, they, they cranked it up like for sure. Like that, that they, you're talking it's mouth of mad in the mouth of madness, uh, thing and Prince of darkness. Are there's the trilogy yeah, it's the one. John Carpenter one, but yeah, those are the, like they, they go nuts with the like otherworldly underworld shit, you know, like, but like those like low key, like mm-hmm. a small haunting, like you're like, you're talking like one person is haunted in this, right? you, you know? And you're like, and Rosemary's the- baby. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Rosemary's baby. Definitely good. One. But then still in that same era, like that's a movie in the seventies. Like it was yeah. like a genre that like lived and died in the seventies that then never really did anything. Maybe like. people just don't find Satan so scary anymore. You know, that, that's a very real possibility. <laughs> you know, like in, in the light of like everything else that's going on where you're like, like and I think that also just maybe like things speaks to the, um, like the escalation of like life as much as filmmaking where you're just sort of like, man, like one spooky little demon baby, who cares? Like put the entire <laughs> planet in like violent peril or I don't care. Like that is the only yeah. thing I can care about as a viewer that's right scary. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like you're like a haunted baby that lives on a, like a street in the suburbs. Who cares? <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, but I think it's it's so weird that like you have like all those like creature movies and slasher movies and whatever. Like there's like that clear line, but the like spooky child movie has like three or four all in the 70s. And then you're like, I ah, get out of get out of there. Yeah. And, yeah, it's weird. Uh, what else do you want to just, uh, do you have anything that you'd want to talk about? We're almost, we're coming. We're almost out of time. I don't know. I think, uh, I think, I think that's it. You haven't watched any movies, anything you want to share? I did. I watched, I watched the ninth gate, which is like on brand and it's a, it's a, it's like on brand anyway, for this show where we're talking about old timey horror movies, it did not hold up. It's kind of crap. And, um, but Scott and I used to watch it. I think we probably watched it three times or something when we were living together. So I was really hoping to. I'm going to run through it with him. Directed by Roman Polanski. Yep. Same as Rosemary's Baby. And boy, did not like that. And so what, what is The Ninth Gate? Um, so it's about a book Johnny Depp, collector. Right? Yeah. So Johnny Depp is a book, a book of thief slash vendor. Um, and he gets hired to authenticate a book about the devil. Mm-hmm. And it turn, it's like a very famous book about the devil. This like rich collector is like, I'm sure it's genuine, but I want to know if there's any differences. There's only two other copies of the book in existence. So maybe mm-hmm. you can go and compare my book to those books and you can tell me if there's any problems with it. And so right. Johnny Depp uncovers a couple of... Sorry? Is it to verify the authenticity? Exactly. And yeah. what he uncovers meeting this like crazy cast of Satanists and people who think that Satan is real and people who want the book to summon Satan. What he discovers is that like each of the three books has um, like drawings that were written. So like drawings illustrating the steps to summon Satan. But then like in each book, three of them are signed by Lucifer, but different ones. So he kind of like has to assemble the three books to get the ritual put together. Okay. It sounds pretty good when I say it that way. What you end up with is a lot of scenes of Johnny Depp walking around and talking to book people, and mm-hmm. there's very little action. The the like plot is kind of interesting, but kind of falls apart. The characters are, you know, 
I don't know. It's a very disappointing film. So just looking at looking this up, uh, mm-hmm. critically and commercially unsuccessful in North America, yes. reviewers compared it unfavorably to supernatural film Rosemary's Baby, also by yeah. Belen. <laughs> that must suck where you're just sort of like where everybody's like, you did this better 40 years ago. <laughs> like, well, say 30 years ago. It was, yeah, it was late 90s. Ago. It was late, nice. Late, late 60s to late 90s. It was just like 30 years ago, you did this this deal better. Yeah, it I has, mean, that sounds like a good line, but I don't think that Rosemary's Baby and The Ninth Gate are kind of the same, except in the vague sense that they're both thrillers, you know? Well, I think they're both, I mean, from what you're saying, sort of like spooky, slow, and plotting. Like yeah. they both they both are in that vibe, right? Where they're, at least from my recollections of Rosemary's Baby, is it's a lot more like, tone than scare right yeah. which i think from what you're saying ninth gate was probably going for but missed there was no right. scare and the tone was was dubious yeah so it has a 43 percent on rotten tomatoes uh roger ebert said the ending was lackluster at the end i didn't yearn for spectacular special effects i did wish for spectacular information something to explain what i had just seen not just a fade to white Oh man, he's he's not being fair at all because if you had explained what happened there, you would have ruined the film. Right. For what little that it had left that was good was the was the fact that the ending was not very clear and you could you you were forced to kind of piece it out for yourself. New York Times said the movie was about as scary as a sock puppet sock puppet reenactment of the Blair Witch Project, but not as funny. <laughs> I mean. Pardon. That's that's pretty pretty harsh. I'll let that stand. Village Voice said the film was barely releasable hokum stuffed with cheesy blah blah. But you could have fun with that cheesy blah blah. For sure. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. It's on Netflix. Apparently, yeah. apparently, Depp is pretty shitty in it too. Was this the was this one of the early early tides of Johnny Depp? Just crap. Like. I actually think Depp was was okay. He is like an alcoholic, chain-smoking, self-absorbed, I-want-to-get-rich-book thief. And mm-hmm. um, he actually puts on a performance and isn't just Johnny Depp doing whatever. So mm. maybe the people criticizing his performance had not yet seen 2015 Johnny Depp and didn't yeah. realize just how rough me, Apparently the, the responses to Depp's performance was mixed. Like some yeah. people said that he personified the character of the book really good. Uh, some people say that he was like basically the only reason to see it. Yes, yes. Other people and were just sort of like it was just brooding nonsense. Like the guy who sends him on the quest is actually kind of cool too. He's like the he's the guy who ends up in the end doing the wrong ritual to try and summon Satan. And yeah. um, if you see clips of the As movie, you, you see him burning to death. It's pretty great. Nice. Yeah. Do you want to rank the ninth gate? I was like, I'm I waiting for who, Scott. We watched it so many times together. He he has to have a word in on that. So was it like beloved to you? It was not beloved. But we it was like one of the movies that he had on VHS. And there's there's something. It's like slow enough that you can kind of talk over it. And mm-hmm. there's the mystery of these templates and the books and whatever. So you, you kind of want to rewatch it to maybe see if you missed something. I don't know. See. Whatever. So Roman Polanski I- raped a little girl. Nothing. Don't watch his movies. Don't do that. Um, that. Yeah. The one thing, so the thing we just, we, we talked about this uh, due to 
John's uh, spotty internet connection, there might not be a garbage time this week. But I want to tell you what I have planned for the next garbage time whenever we do it. And we might have to wait till Scott is ready because it's great. So if you remember, if you listen to Garbage Time or if your name is John, uh, we talked about the terrible Predator book that I was (laughs) reading uh, where the guy like threw in like 50 cent words just like completely out of nowhere. Mm Mm-hmm. So I um, I found some of them in the book, and then I wanted to do a vocabulary quiz for you and Scott to know <laughs> if you knew the definitions of the word, and then I would just read you the passage of the book where he used the word, sometimes, as I've discovered looking up the definitions, incorrectly. <laughs> so... <laughs> There's 50 cent words dropped in the middle of a terrible predator book used incorrectly by the book. And I was like, I wanted to know, I wanted to do a little vocabulary test. So that will be on a garbage time at some point in the future, if not related to this episode, maybe when Scott is back. But I was like, I actually went and did that. So I have like six, six words that this guy dropped into a predator book for you guys to, if you know those words or not. And then I will read you a passage to use it in a sentence. Awesome. I think maybe we'll do a spelling bee style. Spelling bee style to be like, can you a tell me the definition? And Use B, it in a sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we'll read some passages out of uh, Alien versus Predator Hunters Planet. Uh, this was the 90s, everybody. Right on. God. Listen, man, we all know that you pressed stop on your podcast player like 30 seconds ago as soon as you heard the outro music. And the only reason you're possibly listening to this is because you're like jogging or something and your phone is in your pocket and you can't stop me from talking. Uh, I'll keep this short and sweet. Uh, We put in a lot of work on this website. Uh, If you do want to support us financially, we're kind of reworking the whole structure over there. But if you do want to support us financially, you can head to patreon.com slash 9to5cc. And if you don't want to support us financially, maybe you could just tell your friends about the show. And if you don't want to support us at all, I don't even know how you're possibly listening to this at the end of that episode. Bye. 905.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.